0: What do you do, a Delusional Soccer Podcast? What do you do, a soccer delusion shared by two brothers in close association? How sad is it that the first thing that you thought of me to record this episode was coffee, and that I have resorted to Red Bull? Yeah, I was—I was, I, I, I was going to say I was gonna run across the street. um, but it was closed, and then I thought to myself, Do I need I don't really need coffee to it? And I said, I absolutely do need coffee. Um, I fell asleep during the final fifteen minutes at some point of that of that performance. Probably the most exciting part of the map that you fell asleep during. Of course, and I I knew it was going to be, but I was just I woke up early, I was tired and that game I was I was not having it. Yeah. Can um, I do my can I can I do my delusion right now? You want to do your delusion now? So, I, I want actually, to do my delusion right now. I want to let you know I almost texted you today when I was talking to you about recording and said that we should start to do our delusions at like the beginning of the episode. Well, I mean um, that makes sense cuz like in this case my delusion is about the first topic we're talking about whereas like normally podcasts we our podcast episodes we talk about you know, we talk about everything and then we go back and the delusions usually about something we have already discussed. So I think you're right. I think that could be something that we should, we should do. And I also think we should start formatting. Like, I love the idea of the delusion. You know, obviously that's just the word we use considering the name of the podcast and the form of it. I think it's mostly designed to be, you know, some of our hotter takes, but I think sometimes they don't necessarily need to be hot takes. They can just be, this is the idea I want to talk about. This is the delusion I want to focus on this week. Well, but because, um, I mean, I don't think necessarily mine is that delusional. It's just my own opinion about the certain fixture that we just had to to sit through. Yeah, so we're recording post-United-Arsenal. Um, do you want to save your delusion until the end of our discussion? No, I want to say it right now. Go for it. Manchester United versus Arsenal is my least favorite fixture in the Premier League. That's your delusion. That, that is my delusion. I cannot think of a worse United Arsenal game that I've ever seen. Right. Um, And I mean, I'm not saying historically, I'm saying now, right now, because every time they go to play and it might've had to do with the fact that it was a KG affair to start the game and it was rainy. And like, I feel like it's always raining when these two are playing and just muggy and like a Monday night and just, sucks but the thing with this is when you watch manchester united arsenal it is always so evident the drop in quality that they've had since their glory years or their drop in quality compared to the liverpools and the manchester united's um of the the league of the world it's just it's so evident whenever you watch them i don't know what it is but every time it's manchester united arsenal it always is just like wow you can just tell these teams are nowhere near the top. And regardless of how good Arsenal is or how bad United is, Arsenal cannot win at Old Trafford. Yeah, it's always close. It's always like a weird, like, because you'll have top six matches where, okay, one team is, you know, ahead of the other, a little bit ahead of the other, and they, you know, it's a big performance where you see, like, Tottenham uh Beat Liverpool by a lot, or Liverpool beat Tottenham by a lot, or you know Manchester United beat Chelsea by a lot to start the season, or Chelsea will go and they played United a couple of years back, and you know they they destroyed them. Arsenal did the same thing to to Chelsea. Um, it just doesn't seem to happen with Manchester United and Arsenal. It just it just seems like both teams are really afraid to. It it like let me describe a Manchester United Arsenal game based on my current memory, and obviously it has to do with this game. It just seems kind of like it's okay, both are kind of just playing a little cagey, not really going for it. And then all of a sudden, against the run of play, whether it be an error or just a weird fluke goal happens, and then the other team has to go for it, and then they push for it, and it gets a little bit more exciting, and then another fluke goal happens, and then they tie. They draw. That's like, that's it. That was, um, I was in California last year for, the, for this fixture at Old Trafford, right? Um... I believe so. I don't remember the game. Yeah, it was. To be honest, it was because they're forgettable. It was two-two. United were terrible. I'm pretty sure it included like Marcus Rojo in the starting eleven, um, and it was just a bad, bad game. Arsenal had gotten a goal after a terrible United uh, defensive mishap. Lacazette, I think, was the goal scorer. Might have been an own goal. Was injured on the play. He gets back up finally after receiving treatment, and the ball is put back in play, and United equalized to make it two-two. It's also uh, that was when Rob Holding picked up his injury, so um, it was just really an all-around uh, bad performance from both clubs, like you said. Like it's it's been even, pretty bad yeah, recently. Even, even the even a bad uh, version of the North London Derby. Um has the decency to be like, all right. The first half is all one side, and then the second half is all the other side, and they finish two two. Yeah, like it's or just even like- even last year's North London derby at Wembley was that was a shit football match, yeah. and it still, it still had drama more than this. Was that the was that a 2 0 Arsenal victory? No, that was one-one. Oh. Aubameyang's uh, missed penalty. Oh right, that was the yeah. So like, there's at least that excitement. There's just nothing in this game. Like you had a Scott McTominay wonder strike before the half, and even if you listen, I went back. Turn. Yeah, I took a I, it, it was going in no matter what. That was an incredible hit from McTominay. Um, but like, you even listened to the. I went back and listened to the commentary. 'Cause I was doing physical therapy when that was going on. So like I went back, let me listen to the commentary. And you could tell even Arlo White was kind of just surprised that it happened to go in because there was nothing from that game that made you think, okay, something's about to happen. Yeah. Um You know, the last uh the last time that they played at the Emirates last season, I was also on a plane to California. So I don't know what it was about that fixture uh last season that that I needed to be on the west coast but I landed and was shocked to see that Arsenal had beaten United now that wasn't a bad game um but also I did not watch I watched yeah. extended highlights at the most um I'm trying but to that of, was that was ali Gunnar Solshar's first defeat in the league right that was the, that as was United's horrible. manager so I'm trying to think of like a little bit better there yeah I'm trying to think of football matches that I've been on a plane for. The big one was the the battle at the bridge when uh, Leicester won the title. When uh, Chelsea came back and drew Spurs, that was me coming back from California the first time. Oh, you were on a plane for that one. That was a I was LA a, game. Yeah, um, I forget what the. I know I came back to LA um, this past. I think it was around Christmas time. Or no, no, maybe it might have been. It might have been Chelsea Arsenal. Um, I was flying back around May. I can't remember what it was. Um, but there was, there was another game where I was just, you know what it was? I think I landed and then I actually went over to a bar to watch, um, Arsenal Chelsea in the Europa League final, but I was home leading up to that game and I couldn't watch it with you and Nick cause I had to fly back to LA and then I went and watched it on my own. It's LA. It's all, I mean, come on. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you at. Uh, at any me, point, regarding give Sheffield, this give me Sheffield Norwich. Come on, <laughs> put the, make that the give me a three man booth, Sheffield Norwich. I I'll take that. I think so. Let's talk about the very few moments in this game now. Mm. Um, I want to say that it was like the 28th minute or something like that, where Andres Pereira put a, it took a shot, and not only was that the first shot on target, um. That was the first shot. And that is the longest any game in the Premier League has gone this season without a shot being taken. Um yeah. but then so right before the, the half, shocking that Arsenal concede. That never happens. They never they, they never concede before the half no uh, that's a true that's a true sign of a team that isn't where it's supposed to be like when Chelsea had their struggling years that was always something that happened they would always give up goals like when they when they finished 10th they would like have games where they were like close with the other side and then liver then Coutinho would score for Liverpool and then Chelsea would lose by three or four goals in the second half it's almost it's almost like um back in the day when the USA actually qualified for World Cups and In knockout matches, they would concede a goal in the first 15 minutes every single time. Mm -hmm. And specifically in the 2010 World Cup, they conceded a goal in the first 15 minutes, equalized, go to extra time, and then conceded an early goal in extra time. Um, So it's reminiscent of that. But um, the second half, 58th minute, bad giveaway, by United. I'm struggling to remember which player it was. It was the 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 fill-in left-back. Axel um, Axel Tuanziby? Tuanziby. Nailed um, it. He gives the ball away. Bakayo Osaka finds Abamyang, who does a little calm little, uh, kind of a chip uh, past De Right, and but it was like, okay, fl- but it's offside. The flag went up, and then if you look at the still image of the referee that th- of that linesman, he cannot see Albamiang at the time that the ball is played because Harry Maguire is in front He's of him. In front of him. So, which should tell you everything you need to know. Everything. It, and like, considering they're told at the beginning of the season, look, there's new rules. You can't lift your flag up. We're doing VAR. Um, uh, like... Don't if you're unsure, just don't look it up. You have a video referee to help you out. And if this you're unsure. this is the, the same wrong. this is the same crew, the same refereeing crew as Maisie plays with her squeak toy. God damn it! Um, <laughs> this is the same refereeing crew that blew the whistle um, for it was <laughs> like not in the 90th minute or something like that for an Aston Villa uh, in an Aston Villa game. And a goal was scored, and the goal was called back, and it would would have been the winner. Um, right. Bad, so bad, bad performance from the refs today. Yeah, they missed a handball too, didn't they? The other end. Um, they did, and I mean, debatable. Obviously, I mean, honestly, I mean VAR right. takes a look at that, and they say, okay, that's not clear and obvious. Um, so, but I do understand why why they would be why United fans would be upset about that. So yeah um, i mean especially because also like you know you have and look the players themselves are told at the beginning of the season do not pay attention to the linesmen. if he puts his flag up don't uh, there was no whistle it's still played to the falls, whistle they will say but again it's a habit that they have to get rid of and it's hard for them and you kind of feel for them a little bit because ashley young and it looks like david hey may have like maybe not given a hundred percent on that like goal because they see the flag go up and it's something you have to get used to but again they are told that at the beginning of the season so that goal has to stand and I mean 1-1 I think it was pretty even anyway I don't think you say any team deserved to win. Um, Arsenal is a team that probably would be going into this game if you say okay which team would be happier with a draw it has to be Arsenal going to Dole Trafford getting a point but just watching the quality of that game I think both teams need to just be disappointed and given the context of what that game was and how poor in the quality it was. Like, I don't know how you can try and say, oh, yeah, we got a point out. Like, I mean, obviously, you, you know, you move forward and work way work your way through the season and try and improve, but just the quality of that game is just something both these teams really need to work on. It just was It was not up to par. No, and it, this, this result is pretty much exactly what I would expect. I did not expect this to be like an end-to-end thrilling game. I expected it to be a goddamn snooze fest, and yeah. that's exactly what it was. Um, right. Now, the last time I think that an Arsenal-United game was really all that exciting... Was probably back in 2017 when I was living in DC, and United win three one, I believe, at the Emirates. Uh, um, now you were at Lucky Bar, correct? Yeah, yeah. The guy yelled. It, the guy yelled in your face or whatever. Yeah, they, they scored. Saying, they scored early, ah, and the guy can't like, nah. Oo, ah, can't Yeah, like, <laughs> like, please stop. <laughs> um, and the the guy like, it's me and Sal and a couple other Arsenal fans. This place is packed because. Um, it Lucky Bar is a supporters' bar for Arsenal, United, and City, but they always show pretty much every Premier League match, every Champions League match, what, and whatnot. So this place is packed; it's filled with Arsenal and United supporters. And we're sitting down, and they score, and it's not like we do anything; like we're not, do, we're not doing it. This guy comes over and like celebrates in all of our faces, and the look on Sal's face, Sal really likes to restrain himself but if the opportunity is going to present itself for confrontation Sal's not going to back down and Sal did not want to back down here and luckily the guy stepped away at the right time. Oh, he probably he probably did he did he like step away with a look on his face as if he noticed that Sal was um... No, because since we were sitting he was standing and it got to the point that Sal was about to start to move his way. Um okay. I think if Sal was more of a diehard uh, supporter, uh, you know, like if he was... I mean, at that point, that was probably the peak of his support because we were going out and watching those games every weekend what, in, during the worst period of time we could have been doing that. Um, but uh, I think that's probably what kept him in check. Wait, so you're telling me you you went out to watch Arsenal at a bar not in 2003? <laughs> Not 2002, not like uh, down there. Fuck talking. you. Yeah, pretty much, man. That's what I'm saying. Let's uh, let's move on Pardon. because I don't want it. I'm, Pardon I'm falling the French. I am <laughs> falling asleep. Shotgun the Red Bull that you just opened. I can't shotgun it, man. I'll just tip it all out. Mm. Um, let's move on. Sheffield United nil, Liverpool one at Bramall Lane in Sheffield. Sheffield came close here. They did. They... It's a, did... a Dean Henderson mistake in the 70th minute. Jorginho Wijnaldum gets the goal, but this should have been honors even at uh, at Sheffield. And Jurgen Klopp even said in the post match that they would have they would have taken a draw. He knew that after this performance, that's what they deserved. Sheffield United are. They're performing incredibly um, so far this season. They are currently in 12th place uh, on eight points. And it's weird because they, uh, last week when they beat Everton, their manager, uh, Chris Wilder, said that, yeah, this is probably our worst performance of the season. Yeah, and that doesn't matter. It's one of their two wins. Um, you know, they had that come back to 2-2 against Chelsea at the bridge um, a couple weeks ago they did lose to Southampton but played pretty well um, Wilder's comments after this game were uh, you know were a little bit weird I don't know that he had to come out and say but he was, he was like I'm not gonna Henderson knows I'm not gonna go put my arm around him we have to be better um, we made mistakes that made us lose this game um but at that point no one knows that more than Dean Henderson in this in this situation. Yeah. Um I mean you have to th- those are those are um tough games to lose, especially when you're, you know, so close against a team like Liverpool who is running away right now with, with the league. I wouldn't say running I away, mean, they're they're five points ahead. They haven't lost a game. Um so to come that, that close. They haven't dropped have, a point now. They haven't dropped a that, point. That, you know? I mean, that would have been huge had Sheffield United been the first team to take points off of Liverpool this season. Right, especially with, you know, City the city playing pretty well you know beating Watford recently eight nil like they're they have a statement of intent that they're not gonna just fall away and let Liverpool run away with it so that would have been a big a big game for them to drop especially considering it's one they're expected to get all three points every time um, but that's the type of that that that's the type of games that you know champions win even if it's through luck um, there's gonna be games where Liverpool go and they beat a top six side by three or four goals. That's a, that's a very, that's a championship style win. Um, But then there's also these one nil victories against like newly promoted sides where it's just not going your way. And then you get a lucky break or you, you know, get a little piece of quality and, and you, and you pull through. Um, I mean, Liverpool are, are looking like, looking like champions right now. Now, Liverpool's, uh, next three fixtures they've got uh, they'll play three league matches in October um, and they're three tough ones. Do you think they come away with all three points in these three matches? They host Leicester City uh, next weekend. Then we do an international break. So the following weekend on Sunday, October twentieth, they go to Old Trafford, and then the following weekend they host Spurs at Anfield. Are they do um, they go perfect through October? I don't think so in, in that run of games. I no, but I honestly me. think that Leicester has a really good chance to nick a draw at Anfield. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think what you're seeing is you know, I think they're gonna get a decent amount of points from those games. Um, enough to where they'll still be on top of the table come the end of October after those three matches. But I think when you see these close calls, sometimes they, you know, creeps in. You have, uh, you know, you have that close. They took the lead on Chelsea, but then Chelsea that second half outperformed Liverpool and really made um, a push to try and tie that game up at the end. And then they have this game where they almost beat Liverpool. So that that tends to happen, especially when you're on a winning streak, where they're, they're in the top three in terms of historical. Uh, winning streaks in the Premier League, which is insane. 16 wins in a row. So, like, you know, they're getting to the end of it because obviously they're not going to win every single game. They're getting to the end of this run where, you know, the pressure starts to build and, you know, finally there's going to be one game. And I think when they drop points, it'll be good because then they can bounce back and restart and just uh, focus on that. Um, But you're right. I I think Leicester could be the team that is most likely to take those points out of those three. But, yeah, I think... I think Liverpool are going to drop something uh, coming up just because the streak is going. It is, it is insane to think because I think NBC Sports tweeted out a, a graphic of the top three and it was like Man City's win streak of, what, 19? And then Liverpool, 16. And then I think Man City had like 15 last year or something like that. Whereas, like, Chelsea broke the record like three years ago. And they're already with, not in the top three. With 13, yeah. And it's like, that's like... And it was, like, insane. It was, like, huge when they did that. And they went off and they won the league, like, um, barely contested. You we've, know, hit nah, we've hit new heights. Yeah, exactly. And now, we've hit new—yeah, exactly. The fact that Man City have done it twice since then, it's just, like, insane. Now, while I don't think that uh, Liverpool will take nine points out of nine in October, say they do, their first match of November is against Aston Villa, and then the following weekend, November tenth, Liverpool, Man City at Anfield. How exciting would it be if Liverpool were still perfect up to that point? It'd be big, and you know, it, I think that could be the point. It'd be interesting to see where where City's at. But again, we said like the quality has just raised. Um, the fact that you're thinking if they're if they're still perfect through that month. Um, and we're still, and City have a good run, too, and we're still looking at it like this has, this like, one of the best starts to a Premier League, if not the best start to a Premier League season ever, yet the it's not, the season isn't over. Like, there's still yeah. so much to play for, which is kind of insane. And, you know, that, of course, if they hit that point, they would have the record for most consecutive wins in the Premier League. Um, and it's it's... Starting, you know, you don't start this discussion now um, because I remember a few years back, I want to say it was Drogba's final year with Chelsea when they did win the title, right? Drogba, yeah. yeah um, they win. They, I, there was like stories posted, invincible after 11 games and no defeats. Um, but as far as I can see, if teams don't learn to break down Liverpool... Learn to keep them out in a way that Sheffield United uh, maybe did. If people don't learn from that and really start to trouble this team, we may be having that discussion come December. We may be thinking, okay, they haven't lost a match yet. Let's see. Let's see how long they can ride this. Now, I think. In this day and age, fixture congestion is a little bit tough, especially considering they will be competing in the Club World Cup, um, which is a different format, I believe, this year. So I don't really know. I I admittedly do not know what that's going to be like. But they have a stretch in December, Thursday, December 26th. They go to Leicester on Boxing Day. Then two days later, on Saturday the 28th, they host Wolves, and then on the first uh, on New Year's 2020, they have to uh, face Shef- the Sheffield United side that nearly got a point or got one point off of them um, at Anfield. So there's a couple different runs that you look in and you see oh, that's just not possible for them to to you know keep that going, um, but. I will be very interested to see how long they can they can keep the run going. Yeah, and, it'll be interesting. And I think it's it's all that they have a great defensive side. That's I think that's the key to this. But also down to what they do in the other competitions. I mean, yeah. you looked at I think when Arsenal had their invincible season, they were very much focused on that. And there was a lot of draws in that mm-hmm. that run. Whereas these teams like you know twelve draws, twenty six wins. Right. It's like you look at City. City almost did it. A couple years ago, but they had, you know, they also had the like deep, deep run in the Champions League to worry about. Um, A couple other competitions that they, that they were going for. Um, So it it really just it all depends on focus. But I think the thing also with City is they weren't as strong as of a defensive unit as this Liverpool side is now. So that that could be something like you know, look at a game where they weren't at their best, but you know, team like Sheffield United couldn't break them down because their defense was so strong. Um, it's gonna, this is a hard team to beat where a city might've been a hard team to beat, but they were more a hard team to outscore Liverpool is a hard team to outscore sometimes. And sometimes they're just a hard team to even score against. Uh huh. Um, and just one little last note. I know I believe me. I I'm saying this, there's a disclaimer. I'm getting way ahead of this, but say they take this deep, deep, deep into the season. In the last three matches, they have to go against Arsenal at the Emirates and then host Chelsea at Stamford Bridge before finishing the season against Newcastle. So it would be a tough run towards the end of the season as well. And you have to take into consideration some teams have, you know, if, if at that point a title is clinched, you know, your play drops a little bit. Um, and yes. you have to take into account Champions League and how far the run goes there. And make no mistake, Newcastle will be... Newcastle fighting for survival, most likely at that point. Do if you they think they'll still it. be alive? I, who knows? Well, I mean, that's obviously what we're going to be talking about next. But yeah, uh, Leicester have a real shot at the top four. Um, nice segue. Especially, amazing segue. Especially after uh, you know the the pretty pretty average starts to the season at best for. Ah, uh, Manchester United Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur. And I guess I mean, Chelsea won this week, so i don't I don't want to be too harsh. Yeah, we'll but to, I mean, they're going through growing pains. So it's they Chelsea are a weird team to even gauge at this point. Yes. And every time you talk about Chelsea, you always have to think, eh, yeah, yeah, they had the transfer ban, and no one really else had to, no one else really had to deal with that. But um this Leicester team, without uh, James Madison, in the squad, beat Newcastle United 5-0. Now, of course, only one of those five goals came before Isaac Hayden received a red card in the 43rd minute. Uh, Ricardo Pereira scored the first goal. Jamie Vardy gets two. Paul Dummett scores an own goal. And Wilfred Ndidi with a 90th minute goal to really put put the emphasis on that game. Um, Once Vardy scored in the 54th, you're like, this is not going to end well for newcastle not that it's oh they're not going to get points we knew they weren't getting points but this is going to get ugly it, 54th vardy 57th own goal 64th vardy like that was that was a, a horrid 10 minutes uh for newcastle united but all the credit in the world to brendan rodgers the only team that has picked up the only two teams that have picked up more points uh, since Rodgers was appointed at Leicester, are City and Liverpool? Yeah, it goes the same for this season. They're in third place, right? You know, only two points behind City. Um, and they've looked great. I mean, there's been there's been some bumps in the road, but like you look at back at their game against Chelsea, Chelsea completely dominated them in the first twenty minutes of their game, but the rest of that game was all Leicester. And it was at Stanford Bridge; they got a draw. And it wasn't like one, now you're looking at the table and looking at how they're performing and it wasn't like, Oh, Chelsea were just not on their day because Chelsea were, they just weren't clinical enough. But Leicester are uh, a tough team to play against. Um, they're a very solid side. They're exciting side. Um, you know, James Madison is really, uh, coming up and, you know, he's, he's the future for them. You know, they had Riyad Mahrez for a couple of years, won the title with him. He was player of the year. Um, but they have, like, you know, they, they still have Vardy. They have Madison, who's sort of taking over for that Riyad Mahrez uh, uh, quality that they had when they won the league. And then you also have, you know, a player like Wilfred Ndidi, who is, he's no Golo Conte, but he, he, is, he is very strong in midfield and someone that they can rely on. And, and like you said, they, they could make, a, we've talked about, it, they can make a push for top six. They can. And they can make and a now, push for top six. And if... If teams like United, Arsenal, and Spurs, and and Chelsea included, um, continue to play, uh, you know, worse than I than wanker, than wanker expected, football. yeah, worse than not maybe what we expect for this season, but worse than the level that they should be at, mm-hmm. um, then Leicester really do have a chance. Now, um, the Turkish Turkish Lord Farquad has absolutely been sensational for them since uh, Harry Maguire left. What? Have you seen Kaglar Sayuncu? I, I I was just about to look him up, but there's no way I can spell that. C A G L A R S O Y U N C U. And you tell me he's not Lord Far, Lord Farquaad and you will be wrong. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tur- Turkish Lord Farquaad. But, it looks like Lord <laughs> Yeah, it's like Lord Farquad's son is what yeah, it looks like to me. Like yeah. Like Lord Farquad's nephew maybe. Like he's definitely in the family. Um but him and Johnny Evans have been very good um in defense as and they have Lester have two very, very good fullbacks. Ben Chilwell and Ricardo Pereira. Um they are both decent going forward and uh, you know, rarely find themselves out of position um to leave the defense, you know, struggling you have Yuri Tileman to the midfield wolford and didi ayosi perez has been a very good signing um and I he keep forgetting he's on that team he <laughs> got to uh i think after this week he knew he made the right choice if he had questioned it um at any point uh you know the belgian the new belgian signing dennis Pryat, started in midfield for Leicester. he's he pretty much is mark albrighton's cousin um, I don't know if you've seen what he looks like, but uh, you know that they have. You look at their starting eleven. You think about the fact that Wes Morgan's not even in this eighteen, and they were able to bring Tamari Gray, Mark Albrighton, and Hasma Chowdhury off the bench. This Leicester team is deep, and they're not. It's not like they're a squad that deals with European football, and I think that's going to aid them uh, greatly in this season. And. They also have a man who's fallen from grace uh, quite a bit, and that's Colexi and Nacho. What, what a turnaround from the start of his career where he was uh, he was ready to go for City anytime Aguero was out and would just tap the ball in from about two feet out. Yeah, he was right place, right time. Yeah, um, He's on the verge of not even existing. I, yeah. I, I haven't thought about clutching and Nacho for I know. Right and, since the World Cup. And Danny Ings is only 27, so it's weird. <sighs> yeah, and it's, Dimitri Payat, what team does he play for these days? He plays for Marseille, but no one has any idea what you're talking about. Nobody has Uh-oh. any clue what's going on. But Leicester, they have the they have the perfect formula. Like you said, they have those two solid uh, fullbacks. They have a young center back with a veteran solid center back partnership with a shield in midfield, a solid, you know, Matilamans creative midfielder. And then you got, with Vardy's on his day, Vardy has scored 10 goals in his last 10 home Premier League appearances. You know, if he's feeling it, you know, with the rise of James Madison, you know, the beginning of James Madison's term with Leicester, he was a little bit inconsistent, but he's starting to find that groove. Um, they're, they're a formidable side. Um, I still think that they're, at the end of the day, they will drop down and, If anything, be around fifth and sixth, but they're going to stay around that area. Um, It'll also, I mean, it's also going to be interesting to see where West Ham falls because they're quietly in fifth right now. Yeah, they are. Um, uh, You know, no, uh, no defeats in their last five um, for West Ham, so they're they're looking good, kind of going under the radar. But uh, Newcastle United, they sit in nineteenth place. And that's only because below them is Watford, who are currently the worst team on the face of the planet. Um, and even Arsenal couldn't beat them. Um, Newcastle, five points through seven games, four goals scored, 13 allowed. Um, of course, that they do have one win, and that was against Tottenham. So let's not forget about that. They went... To, I know you would never forget about that, sound. They went to Tottenham and <laughs> one away. I need, I need to get the soundbite from last episode where you and Nick were talking and you said, oh my gosh, this is such a biased podcast. <laughs> it really is. Um, but uh, their last four. Draw with the worst team on the planet, Watford 1-1. Lose 3-1 to Liverpool. All right, not not unexpected. Draw nil nil with Brighton, which I didn't watch that game, nor did I watch the highlights. But I can't imagine it was that that exciting. Probably more exciting than Arsenal United, and then the five nil is it? defeat. Forget what it's. <laughs> the five nil defeat to uh, to Leicester, and they go up against Manchester United next week. Can you imagine if Manchester United lose that game? Um, but no, my point with Newcastle being so low right now. Steve Bruce, should he be sacked? Your thoughts? Yeah, and it. I mean, Steve I mean, Bruce Steve, should he have been hired? No, that's that's the thing because you look at it, it's like, oh, Newcastle are in a relegation fight. Oh, I wonder why. It's because the manager that they hired has been in a relegation fight every time he's been in the Premier League. He's a Championship level manager. Nothing against Steve Bruce, but he's always in this situation with the teams he's in, and like, I, I just. What are you expecting to get out of – it's like saying a team was like, oh, man, we hired Tony Pulis. I'm so shocked. Why are we in 13th? We hired Tony Pulis. Why aren't we scoring? <laughs> it's like – yeah, like Steve Bruce, he he can he does very well in the championship. He's just not – it never works out for him in the Premier League. You know what? So- he should come to MLS because he doesn't have to worry about getting relegated. He can kind of right. just hang hang down by the bottom and see – and Him and see the Houston what happens. Dynamo could, you know, have fun or something. Colorado Rapids. The Vancouver Whitecaps, who Sal knows so much about. Um, uh, but it's crazy. Like, looking at the bottom of the table, Wolves finally got their first win. They're already up in 13th. That's that's uh, pretty uh, impressive, shows- at least from, this, from the fact that the teams that they hopped over are that bad. Um, they hopped over two teams that have two wins. Do you remember when Three teams uh, that I remember when gets. Newcastle had Rafa Benitez? Yeah, where's he at now? Uh nowhere. Since he's nowhere his basically. contract just ended. They didn't give him the assurances he wanted as far as adding players to the squad. Um if he wasn't in charge, say Steve Bruce took charge of this team two years ago when Benitez did, this team was already this team would already be back down in the championship. Yeah, It's that simple. Um Rafa Benitez has been or was incredible for this Newcastle team had them well organized especially in midfield and defense um you know they they're not it, Oh, he is he's in China. He's he's oh, managing Dailon Yifang FC. So he's a rich man. That is that is my second favorite Chinese club. Yeah, the Blue Hawks. Come on. <laughs> uh up the, I'm gonna, up the Blue Hawks. Let's see if he – is there anyone – no, there's literally the entire – oh, do you know who's on this team? There's one notable player on this team. And there Graziano all, Pella. No, close. No, there's – oh, there's two. There's No, there's three. There's three. Okay. So there is all Chinese players on this team, um, and there are four non-Chinese players. One I don't really know too well, but it has, he has a familiar name, and then three other ones. Okay, who's the familiar I'm name? I'm going to give you – uh, Emmanuel Boateng. Okay. He's a Ghanaian footballer who plays for, is he? I mean, I don't know. I've only heard the name Boateng twice, and they're both brothers. So, to be fair, but it, uh, I'm not seeing anything about him being related to anyone. Uh, Emmanuel Boateng is... 23. He is the son of, of one of Oh, them. so there's an Emmanuel Boateng that plays for DC United. Uh, okay. So... The three other players. There is one from Slovakia, one from Belgium, and one from Venezuela. Can you name all three? I can't even name one. Oh, you can totally do it. The Belgian player. You can name the Belgian The player. Belgian. Uh, Carrasco? Yannick Carrasco. He's number 10 on that team. Okay. Um, the other player is – one of the other players is Venezuelan and has played under Rafa Benitez before. Played under Benitez before. Was it at Newcastle or now? Yes, it was. This just proves that I don't know the trajectory of people's careers. Uh, it's not, I don't even know if he's Venezuelan. It's not Rondon, is it? It is Salomon Rondon. Wow. And the third one, the last one, he, I bet you don't even know he doesn't play for this team anymore. He played in Italy. He's Slovakian. Very uh, noticeable hair. Very noticeable very, very yeah. recognizable, yeah. He has a distinctive hairstyle. He was the captain of his former club in Italy. He's a Slovak Two. two, 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 two. This one's where I'm gonna I'm not gonna get this one. But you you're gonna you're gonna be all oh, right once I tell you. Yeah. He captained a Napoli. Oh uh Hamsek? Marek ca- Hamshik, yeah. yeah. Those are the, yeah. And and he then played then, like you know, 600 games for, or something like that for Napoli. Yeah, and I guess this is his first year. Yeah, this is his first year. He played 400, 408 appearances for Napoli, 100 goals. Quite quite the career. Quite the career yeah. for, for him. Yeah, you're right. You nailed that, that he does have... Uh, <laughs> Noticeable hair. It has a noticeable hair and and, and I did not know he was no longer in Italy. <laughs> yeah, I was like oh I was like wait, have a shake I thought he was still in napoli Um this Well this this has gone off the rails. <laughs> I know. This is a good episode though. We got we're, we're doing pretty good. Let's finish it up uh our final discussion of the day. Christian Pulisic, why is he not playing? And for this, we're bringing in Frank Lampard. No, uh, Jared, what's going on here? Um, I think there's a little... I think he should be playing. Let me just start that off by, um, you know, especially based on the last performance I tweeted out, like, just looking, you know, Willian ended up getting a goal. Pedro and Willian both started, which I didn't think we'd see this season. Um, But I think watching the first half from Chelsea, it was kind of like, this should be the game where Lampard looks at this and says, this is... This is the old guard. It's time to bring in the new guard. And, you know, he brought in Hudson Doy in the second half, which was the right move, which I wanted. Um, he made. I'm trying to think of the substitutions he made. Uh, he Kovacic off. came in, as did. Pachuaia. Kovacic for Barkley. Th- 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 thank goodness. I think the terms of the substitutions yesterday, why or this the other day was why Pulisic didn't come in it was honestly Lampard made too many mistakes picking his starting eleven. Barkley should not have been playing, so you had to get him off because he was bad. Um, William wasn't you no, know, but well, William Pedro wasn't great. William and Pedro have been frustrating. Uh, so one of them had to come off, but of course, Lampard made two mistakes in picking his wingers, I think. Um, or at least one, you know, obviously Hudson Adoy is coming back from injury, so you don't necessarily want to start him, but you have Pulisic there that can start. So Hudson odoi comes on, he needs those minutes, so he's got to come in before Pulisic because he needs to get match, he needs to get to match, match fitness levels. So that's very important. And then, you know, it's just about whether or not you want to, you know, put in another winger, make another winger substitution, or do you change the strike or get Tammy some rest? So I, I wasn't too shocked. I thought I would have liked to see Pulisic yesterday, uh, the other day, but I think it's mostly down to the fact that there were too many changes to be made with that team because they didn't look that great in the first half. Now, a couple games before, Chelsea had been dealing a lot with injuries. So, like, I think the one game, they subbed off two defenders. Emerson came off and then Christensen came off. In the first half. Okay. So once that happens, you have one substitution. So, and I think it was a striking, it was a striker uh, that they brought on. So, and then the other day, I think they there was another substitution or some sort of maybe yellow card situation that they had to deal with. And that's kind of why. It, it, to the past, I think the two games before last week was kind of like injuries sort of affecting substitutions. But I do think he needs to be playing more. Um I think Frank is. I think Lampard is just trying to, uh, you know, sort of slowly bring him in, and get him used to, you know, life in London. Slowly to... bringing him in by not bringing him in. Bringing him in is a uh, definitely an interesting tactic. Well, what I'm saying is, the past three weeks there was certain scenarios. I thought he should have come in maybe this past week, but the two before that, I understand why he didn't. Um, but yeah, it was. It, it's it's kind of weird. You know, he he left international duty early. And then didn't play in the next three games. Um, I really thought I was going to see him against Liverpool, considering how well he played against Liverpool in the Super Cup. Um, but again, you know, he could start against Lille. And then, you know, that's that's a solid start. I mean, he's, he's, he has Champions League experience. It's so weird because I remember the concern with him coming in is at Chelsea is youth players don't get a chance. And now it's like he's not playing because there's so many promising youth players at Chelsea that are playing. You have Mason Mount ahead of him right now. hudson Adoy is ahead of him right now. Um, and then I guess Frank wants to have the senior players in there. But I really think as time goes on, he, he's re- he has to be above William and Pedro. I think there's no question about that. Um, I think this next run of five games is going to be big for how his season turns out because you've got Southampton away, home to Newcastle, away at Burnley, away at Watford, and then home a London Derby against Crystal Palace on November the 9th before an international break where you come back and play City. Um, In those five games, Pulisic will hope to be starting, I mean, at a bare minimum of one of those matches. If not more, um, but he needs to be featuring in, in three or four of those matches at least to make sure that he's not to a point where he's becoming so unhappy that it shows on the pitch and that he gets even less playing time because when he is used, he's not effective. Yeah, no, I, I think he's. Had, I think he has a good attitude. I mean, obviously, there was an article that came out, or he was he talked to someone and said, "I'm very frustrated." Um, and that was just it. Pule's like, I'm very frustrated was what was posted. That was the headline. But it was really like, I'm very frustrated. You know, I want to be playing, but I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep working to get onto the pitch. So I think he has a really good attitude about it at the moment. I just, I mean, I think you look at it, you look at compared to Pedro and William, they have more of the experience, but they're they're getting up there in years and they can be frustrating and unclinical. And I think you have a better it's better for the future of the club if he play if you're playing because I think their level of quality at their state, this stage in all of their careers, he's pretty level with those guys, if not higher. Um, so, you know, it will see. It will see. I mean, it could be we could be looking at a very exciting attacking three with, you know, Mount and Hudson or and Pulisic, but it's also very young. So also with Tammy up top. So it, it's gonna be interesting to see. I um, I'm hoping to see him in the middle of the week against Leal um, it's experience that he has. He's played in the Champions League, so there's no excuse there. It's not you know trying to get him into the style of England football, but I think he's a flair player that that they could definitely use. Um, well, there it is, and and we can see. Look, William could be leave. There's rumors now coming out that uh, Juventus and Barcelona are going to be fighting for William in January because he doesn't have a new contract, and Chelsea got to get something for him, All right. which which I'd be all for might be Nothing. might be the best at this point you know it's one of for those situations everyone. where you find you know ah, we would really like to have him for another year but it's either you know get rid of him now or lose him for free so um and you don't need to you have if you keep Pedro you have one veteran winger in there and you have the young guys just because that's what this whole thing with Lampard has been about bringing in the youth and can I say this is a little off topic it's a little bit about Chelsea but um, quite, so far it's looking to be quite the masterstroke of getting rid of David Luiz because Fikayo oh, Tamori has, is not just with what, I mean, Fakaya Tamori has come in and looked, he, I think Lampard came out and was like, he started the season as our fourth center back right now. He's our first choice center back. Well, there you have it. He has played, he has played very well, um, in the center defense for Chelsea. And, uh, that's just a, you know, it, like you said, started at fourth, you know, players left and Kurt Zuma, (laughs) (laughs) Kurt Zuma existed. And there you have it. Um, so all you need is to sell David Louise and to have Kurt Zuma would be Kurt Zuma and you're going to get your chance. Um, so, well, uh, you know, it was good to, good to get back after, uh, you know, missing out last weekend, talking about last weekend's fixtures. Um, just a minimal rust, minimal, rust, minimal rust. We had one tangent, but I think the one tangent that involved Chinese football, Trivia, but that's yeah. okay. Maisie, yeah. I mean, well, we didn't have to trivia. do Maisie Did right. her squeak toy uh, uh one time, to- one or two times, so that was okay. <laughs> Um, I have been That's, muting myself and yelling at her several times. I've noticed. Um, um, I think I think the uh, whenever Nick is unavailable to do betting Bonanza, Nick, of course, is in vacation in Florida right now. Um, whenever we don't have the betting Bonanza, we'll just pull out some uh, Chinese super league trivia. I'm in. I am totally um. in. or just Dimitri Pyat trivia because I think that would be entertaining. Yeah, exactly. What There's does no... he have for bre- breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> what club does he play for? What club did he play before, for before? What team did he play for before he played for the team that he played for before? <laughs> wow. It's all the same answer. <laughs> what did I just say? Um, little tidbit of personal uh, you know, exposure here. Check out um, my articles on Last Word on Sports, Last Word on Football.com. I will... Uh, getting at least an article out per week uh for that site so you can always check those out i will be i will be posting those links um make sure you stay tuned this week friday morning footy do european nights episode two will drop with a guest to be determined um no idea who you're talking to not even a clue your dog i might talk it might just be me and Maisie back and forth and i'll actually let her uh go on a tangent of her own um I'm going to try to do a Disney call-in to Nick to get his betting bonanza for uh, that set of matches, but he will not be able to place the bet on them because he will be out of the state. But that will be dropping on Friday morning. And as always, stay tuned with us on Twitter. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at FootyAdoo, on Instagram at FootyAdoo. Listen. 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 I mean, if you're if you gotten this far, then you've already listened. You've completed that task. Listen to next. Rate. Listen to our next episode, <laughs> please. <laughs> oh, please do come it. Come back. Please do it. Please Rate, come back. Rate, review, subscribe. It helps us uh, gain exposure and have more people listen to our podcast. And Jared, as always, pardon our French. Dun dun dun.